Oh, shit, Greg. Have you seen this stuff? Uh, there's this new tech billionaire, Brian Johnson. The man, first off, looks great. Let's just <laughs> this right off the bat. Yeah. Looks young, you know, skin shining. It's very healthy. Uh, but you might be wondering how he does it. And it turns out blood transfusions from his 17-year-old son. A liter of blood a week. That's all I need. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not just that. It's like he's spending, like, what is it? The earlier headlines, I mean, I'm sure it's mentioned in that article, but like $2 million a year or something on his mm-hmm. regimen or whatever. Uh, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I gotta say, and and really, it, it's like a three-way, too, because he takes a liter of blood from his son, which means that he now has an excess liter of blood. But, you know, our uh, tech overlords, they're nothing if not efficient, right? So he takes his excess liter and gives it to his father, right? Now, what happens to his old blood? Who knows? <laughs> but, you know, how far does this human's blood centipede go? Uh, I don't know. But I was thinking, we have a young cast member, right? Oh, my gosh. That, (laughs) Brian, Brian, you know, that makes perfect sense because, like, you know, what Brian Johnson is doing is, like, he's spending all this money. You know, yeah, the the headlines are are of the the sort of, you know, how he's uh, taking the, the, the... you know, vital fluids of his of his teenage son to rejuvenate his body. Sure. Which is great. But like he's also <laughs> he's, he's spending all this money to really like uh, use like every possible rejuvenative therapy uh, through lots of testing and like, you know, really showing like what like in a kind of in a, an exciting non-scientific way showing like what is really possible with like the human body in with our current technology and knowledge. And it's like, you know, I, I, I just, I really admire that. And obviously like he's been an inspiration to me. Cause it's like, you know, it's, where do you think I get my su- supplement stack? You know, like I can't spend 2 million a year on all the testing he does or the, the more like boutique therapies, but like, you know, I can still benefit from like what he's doing. but. Now, you know, not just the 47 supplements I take, Munya's blood. <laughs> we can both like get Munya's blood. I mean, you know, I think we both know it's going to do a lot more for you than it's going to do for me, Brian, <laughs> because I'm already on like uh, the the uh, $2,000 a year regimen, like version uh, package mm-hmm. of the Brian Johnson uh, total rejuvenation package, but um, yeah, I mean, every, every, the thing is, I, what he's showing, I think, is that the human body, our health is like a complex system and, and every little bit helps. <laughs> exactly. I can't wait to get some Amunia's blood so that I can uh, start to appreciate music again. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows, man? I mean, you know, they say some of that uh lack of interest in music could be just high frequency hearing loss. And, you know, who knows? Uh, The right supplements and blood plasma. Yeah, really could bring back some of those uh, some of that ear function. There you go. As I always tell my students, don't worry about it. The hearing does come back. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, luckily, Munya is not here. So we'll just go ahead and sign his name on to this agreement. Two liters of blood weekly. (laughs) He'll be shipping to us from Brooklyn. Uh, But Greg, it's it's just me and you. We're here to talk uh, Seattle City Council candidates and stuff like that. 
We put it yeah. off all year. We're doing it. We're, We're doing, doing it. Today. I just I can't help but get the feeling. Is this Seattle sucks? You know, <laughs> is Seattle sucks back. You know, Seattle sucks might be back. <laughs> hey, cue the theme music, baby. <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on. That's the wrong song. That's the wrong song. Okay, okay, okay. Here we go. Cue the theme music. Oh shit! All right, okay. All right. Soundboard malfunction. Problems with the new Zencaster subscription. Uh, But we'll get it worked out. All right, guys. Cue the theme music. podcast maybe because we're here to talk seattle council how are you uh doing greg how's how's Uh, life on the boat i'm podcasting about hating the city i love (laughs) we're talking peroshki peroshki which must mean that it's a slow news uh i would though like to uh just begin this episode by thanking every other podcast in the left podcastosphere uh, for sparing us from having to watch the Barack Obama Netflix uh, working documentary. Uh, thank you, fellow podcasters, uh, for sparing us. I'm, you know, my heart goes out to you. It's a debt we all owe. <laughs> <Thanks for taking laughs> that that sounds like hell. Like, <laughs> that sounds like, like, both like, uh, like deeply depressing, but also like insanely aggravating. What, an, what a deeply simultaneously boring and evil man yeah yeah i i I truly hate that man i'm very glad that i don't have to uh just like the hillary one glad to take a pass on it uh hoping to keep living that yeah we've got more and more important stuff to talk about which is uh our society's like granting of uh political privilege to purveyors of like school lunch food (laughs) Have you you remember the Pronto Pup? I feel like that's something that's probably like called something different in every like state or, you know, like, mm-hmm. but like here in, you know, on the North Shore of Lake Washington, uh, we had, you know, one of our uh, at least one school lunch a month was something called a Pronto Pup, which is just a hot dog wrapped in some bread dough and like steamed or boiled like a bagel. And it sucks. Um, It's just a chewy, doughy, uh, bland, uh, you know, like replacement for actual nutrition uh, with a, uh, you know, a a piece of pureed meat stuffed in a probably artificial casing. I mean, which look, I love a good pureed meat, but like, you know, when it's like, uh, made from the lips and anuses of pigs and, and <laughs> seasoned basically just like bologna. Um, uh, that, that's what I remember from childhood. And that's what I remember the one time I excitedly went to try out the cuisine at Piroshki Piroshki. Okay. I thought like, Oh my God, I love some pureed spiced meat, cabbage and, and uh, you know, and, and dough a kind of you know dumpling or if it's a sandwich or sausage like whatever whatever yeah i was basically handed a pronto pup 
with no flavor, just like some meat and some cabbage in a thing. Maybe or maybe I'm imagining the cabbage thinking because I was thinking like, wow, cabbage would really improve this. Like that's how planned it was, right? Like that would add some spice to this if there was some like cabbage in here. And like when I looked around for condiments, like I was pointed toward like a bucket of the cheapest, tiniest little yellow mustard packets, you know, mm-hmm. that like, like, yeah, enjoy asshole. Um, yeah. Deeply disappointing. Isn't going to help this situation. I need, no. I need the school lunch, uh, like coffee distributor full of mustard. That's what the, I need. The, the, the plunge pot, you know, the, the plunge <laughs> dispenser where you can dispense like, uh, vast amounts of like deli mustard onto your otherwise bland, uh, dog in, wrapped in boiled in dough. dough. Yeah. That's why they call uh, them pronto pups here. We call them pigs in a blanket in Texas. Pigs in a, see, same okay. story. That's interesting. Pigs in a blanket, as far as I knew from diners, like growing up on the kids menu, was just breakfast sausages and, and pancakes. Oh, that's interesting. We might be getting to a regional difference here. Now, ours was a hot dog wrapped in dough that's either like baked or boiled, you know, essentially yeah. something's done to it to rob it of any flavor for sure. And you kind of get excited about it as a kid because your point of reference is a corn dog. And you're like, shit, dude, did I just get a giant corn dog? And then you take a bite into it and you're like, son of a bitch, I didn't get a giant corn dog. No, no. <laughs> Look, I... I... It's been a while, but I did like I did at one point eat at Proshki Proshki thinking like this sounds great. Like, uh, uh, you know, Russian ethnic food like uh, that's celebrated in a way like I guess it's just like it's known that it exists. Maybe mm. it's like like, oh, this is this uh, Eastern European treat that you can get downtown. Uh, but it, I was, it was so disappointing. Like, yeah, well, it has it has that market bump, like somehow everything that's in the market gets a little bump where everybody's like, it, you know, thinks it's a little better than it is. Right, and, because it's like, uh, even if it is just yeah. fast food, right? Because that's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. a fast food restaurant. That's like the it's the Yakov Smirnov version, right? <laughs> it's like <laughs> in Soviet Russia, uh, fast food's even worse, I, you know, like, mm-hmm. It's that, but it's like, oh, so it's kind of like exotic because, and so it's like perfect. It's, I'm getting market food, you know? <laughs> uh, wretched. Awesome. Anyway, we're, we're only talking about pr- the disgusting Pronto pups uh, because the disgusting Pronto pup lady uh, is in the news because uh, she's, of course, of course, as we probably predicted uh, at some point, running for city council. And in my district, no less, in seventh against uh, Andrew Lewis, uh, who is a huge loser. So I almost hope he loses. I almost I think I might take at the end of this is that I hope she wins um, because (laughs) it's not like anything can good will ever come out of the city council again. I mean, hey, I don't know. Maybe my mind will be changed as we like get into this race and uh, someone convinces me to get excited about some candidates. There's some. Not there's some cool people running when maybe we'll try and talk to him at some point. I don't know. But uh, but and overall, like. Who well, gets shit? Yeah, everybody is on the edge of their seat here. We've been teasing this. We're, of course, talking about the Seattle Times favorite small business woman and Carl Sagan's sister, Olga Sagan. <laughs> o- Olga Sagan, <laughs> Russian immigrant. Uh, I just want to, like, you know, take us 
down memory lane here uh, to this is from February 27th, 2022 in the Seattle Times, an article we probably read something from at the time. 100% uh, dead. I remember this. <laughs> downtown Seattle Bakery closes, citing excessive crime after fatal shooting Sunday. Oh, my gosh. So this is I mean, you you already know this is one of the like archetypal uh, stories repeated in every city in America. And this is one of the main she's one of the main spokespeople uh, for this downtown in this city is my shitty business that sucks uh, <laughs> isn't doing well and forget about right insane uh, rents and the pandemic. Uh, also, I saw some poor people and uh, there was a, you know, there was an adjacent murder, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so in a city of a million people, there was yeah. a crime. Therefore, yeah. that's why I shut down my business. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love this from Daniel Gilbert in the Times. The opening paragraph, one sentence, I, you got to give him credit. It wasn't just the fatal shooting Sunday that led Olga Sagan to close her Poroshki Poroshki bakery in downtown Seattle. And it's like, <laughs> it's like it had like, it, you know, someone had the the dignity like to be like, we have like, we'll lead with that. And then the whole rest of the article is, you know, is like. Then the next paragraph starts. Last week, someone was shot and injured near the bakery's location, blah, blah, blah. So uh, the, the key, the money quote from me, as I skimmed this the other day, uh, looking back, was for Sagan. For Sagan, we're now inhabiting mm -hmm. the point of view of our small business tyrant here. Crime along Third Avenue downtown has become a more frequent and graver concern since reopening the downtown location of Poroshki Poroshki last September. Business at the restaurant's location in Pike Place Market, which remains open, has rebounded to pre-pandemic levels, she said. Sales at the Third Avenue store were down about 85%. So that is that is a rich text of meaning. Like, first of all, <laughs> reopened. So so after reopening, meaning she had to shut it down for COVID for a long time. Mm -hmm. This is in this article's from uh or she opened in reopened in September of 2021. Yeah. Okay. So had to shut down for COVID as basically everybody did. She how already she I think she um uh you know she might have still been doing like takeout from the uh market location but the original market location that as we discussed has this you know the market bump going for it at mm -hmm. some point recently before the pandemic she opened the the um the third avenue location closes down and then in september 2021 like reopens and is like oh my the, my sales are down 85% and <laughs> what could possibly be the explanation? Yeah, just that crime. No, no one like all uh, at, it was very well understood at the time that no one was working downtown anymore. Yeah, that like well, that this uh, it's definitely crime right by my store. That's why across the country in every major urban area, <laughs> sales are down in downtown areas as well as foot traffic. It must yeah. be the shooting at third and whatever, you know, that's why it's down in, you know, uh, Brooklyn. That's why it's, you know, foot traffic's down in San Francisco. That's why foot traffic's down in L.A. Everybody heard about the shooting by Poroshki Poroshki and has now panicked. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, you know, she claims she claims that the the market has rebounded. Ooh. And it's like, again, it's a completely different. The market was is a tourist location. It's the most popular. It's one of the most like trafficked tourist locations mm-hmm. in the country. OK. Yeah. So like shit like that was the first stuff to bounce back after opening because it relies on other things. Like when people start finally did start going out and doing things like that's where they were going. Uh, when people started traveling again, that's where they were going. Like the third Avenue is the, in the, the downtown business core, you know, which is still deserted to this day. And they're, you know, people like Olga Sagan keep wanting to say it's crime. It's also like mm-hmm. you know, the rents insanely overpriced still. So that's who this is. Oh. And she became like a one of these small business spokespeople like. Like she is in a lot of ways, like a, a Saul Spadey figure, someone Mm. who like owns a known small business, like fast food chain who decide, who decides to, you know, complain about, uh, you know, from a a right wing small business libertarian perspective about like, you know, whatever social issues are going on in the city and just becomes therefore a perfect, uh, a quote machine for local news, you know, including the mm-hmm. Seattle Times. I'm sure, I'm sure Como or Cairo or whoever, you know. Well, and it's a perfect thing too, because these are also the kind of people who get their opinion from the Seattle Times. So it's basically the Seattle Times going down there to be like, hey, can you tell us what we wrote back to us for us real yeah. quick? So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's can, you, circular, can you let us yeah. know what Danny Westneat said last week so that we can write it down so he can just repeat it this week? Because, yeah. you know, that's basically all we got. It's, at this it's, point. it's yeah. laundering their message yeah. you know perfectly uh yeah so okay now we've got so the announcement last week or something um which i guess yeah this uh 17th is when the uh may 17th is when the so i guess that's almost two weeks ago now um is when she launched her campaign for city council we're gonna read that uh, an article you know about that in the times got some quotes uh see like what spin they put on it okay in the seattle times but I did want to check in at The Stranger, where, of course, uh, Hannah Krieg has done an interview with Olga Sagan, uh, which, you know, she asks her like you would think a journalist would, like some some pointed questions about, like, you know, who she is, where she's coming, where she's coming from on some things, uh, uh, things that, you know, would actually like shed some light. Uh, well, I assume we're going to get the same from The Seattle Times. Uh there were some interesting quotes. We're not going to go through Hannah's whole article. The headline, Proshki Prosher, Proshki Proshki owner, owner Olga Sagan is running for city council. The subhead is, I think, important and, and correctly sums up uh, Olga Sagan as revealed in this interview. Honestly, policy-wise, she's kind of a wild card. Now, <laughs> I think we're going to find that that's true. So um, just some some key uh, quotes here for me. Sagan is admittedly pretty new to local politics. She has not voted in a municipal election in 10 years. I mean, most normal thing about her. I know, right? You're uh, right. It's a wild card. It's like, hmm, you know, honestly, not what you expect for someone, you know, saying they uh, should be selected to represent uh, the people of the seventh district in our, you know, democratic pat pageantry but you know on the other hand kind of respect it um i think you know i think she'll she'll we'll find that like her lack of uh interest in voting comes from a different place than yours uh brian (laughs) 
Uh, here's another one. Sagan said big business can. Pro- oh, so she's asking her about the, the jumpstart tax. <laughs> and she says Sagan said big business can probably afford to pay the jumpstart tax. Parenthetically, she was unfamiliar with the tax at the time <laughs> of her interview with the stranger. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder uh, if that's an opinion that's going to change once she's made ah, familiar. Ah, yeah. see, there's there you instantly you're getting to the heart of it, Brian, because Hannah is correct here when she says policy wise, she's a wild card because, well, as we'll see, like she's got takes that are all over the place here, but a wild card depending on the context, depending on the rules, can mean different things. And (laughs) ultimately, it can go lots of ways. It's not just a mystery. Eventually, it will have, it will, you know, be played in a hand. Uh, And and that's important. Yeah. That's funny, though. So we're talking about, like, again, so like coming from, you know, again, the difference between you and her, uh, two people who, uh, do not vote. Religiously do not vote. Don't believe in voting. Uh, you, a crank, like an an absolute, like lifelong crank. You know about the jumpstart tax uh, and lots of other things. It's because of everything you know that mm-hmm. you don't vote. That's like why. Olga Sagan doesn't vote because she's a fucking dunce. Uh, yeah. She's, uh, and, I, and I, you know, I want uh, to, drill down on this a little. She is a total political neophyte. Um, yeah. Well, so, uh, she's the classic idiot small business owner yeah, who yeah. doesn't understand like that the things she's a lot of the things she's about to complain about uh, she actually wants and benefits from. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so uh, before drilling down into that more, we'll go a little, another quote here. Sagan does not think of herself as a policy expert. Except maybe when it comes to small business. To that end, <laughs> if elected, she'd prioritize extending the grandfather period for small businesses looking to expand or move into different buildings, a rule that essentially allows businesses to skirt some new regulations. So, oh, oh hold on. This is shocking news to me. Uh, <laughs> she doesn't want... She's anti-regulation. She wants deregulation of, of the industry. This is this is very surprising news to hear from the small business owner. I well, you know, it's she is a real wild card. It's obviously totally predictable, <laughs> but in, in a funny way, too, because of course that's like a standard libertarian big business, small business shithead, whatever. But like she from her, it's it's funny because it is totally and purely parochial. You know, it's this. Yeah, in, yeah total myopia myopia someone who is an utter and total neophyte in in terms of policy politics the democratic process whatever but has had any life experience and so she's like well i know about this thing that's in my life and i have this point of view and but because in our culture the small business person is told over and over again yours is the opinion that matters you're you are the not only the job creator you're the most important kind of job creator fuck everything including government should run like a business you have a shitty restaurant that people eat as like in the way they eat fair food basically like Mm -hmm. you're like uh people are expecting a treat like a funnel cake or something or a corn dog like you said it's like going to the fair like you get the shitty food 
the corn dog in her in the case of hers i think most people are actually deep down disappointed but something about it being russian like probably makes that feel like like the intended experience you know mm-hmm. i think when you go to proshki proshki and you get this incredibly bland depressing treat like that makes it feel more like authentically exotic because it's eastern european you know you always you almost always have to wait in line for it too so you know you just feel like you feel like you're living out of yes a a long forgotten past you know (laughs) there are proshki lines in seattle (laughs) sign of the times you know like so i think like yeah between the market bump and the the exoticism of uh of a you know uh, brutal and depressing society that you're imagining and like you hear mm-hmm. the woman's name is Olga and you see her like sour face and you're like yeah this is exactly what this should taste like damn damn could this taste worse would that improve the experience the authenticity of this like ethnic treat I'm having um, but like totally parochial right like she just has this this narrow set of minimal experiences interacting directly interacting with local government in the form of regulations and is thinking like, oh man, I could really improve this by, by relaxing regulations. Like, again, she's talking also about a program that already exists, like, you know, and like just expanding it a little, like just, just a boring thing, but like, yeah, just a total neophyte. And another thing, Brian, that's interesting is like, she is such a fucking neophyte. So like outside of this process that, I almost think there's even a possibility she might actually listen to this. Like <laughs> totally new to this going like, wow, some, some po- local podcast like actually talked about me. We got to, we got to listen to this for research. We got to like hear what people are saying, even if it's negative, you know, like she's so like where, you know, uh, Andrew Lewis doesn't listen when we make fun of what a loser he is, you know, he doesn't <laughs> care. Like, uh, but like, and, and I, you know, I want to address Olga directly. If you're hearing this and what your idiot small business tyrant brain is hearing is that we are gatekeeping you from participation in governance. If you're thinking like, oh, we're saying like, uh, oh, you have to like uh, have a public policy degree or be a lawyer or, you know, uh, ha- have some credentials to to run for office in a city. Uh No. That's that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you're an idiot because there are lots <laughs> of people in this city who have no access to power, who are not the kind of people that the Seattle Times comes down to quote about their s- small business, who don't own a shitty restaurant that sucks, who uh, who, you know, who don't get interviewed by the news, uh, who have no proximity to power at all in this city, who nonetheless really give a shit about their community, the people in it and know a lot about it uh, and are interested in uh, understanding what's going on and actually have like opinions on things that, uh, (laughs) that, you know, would be important. And those people occasionally they do run. They don't usually win. Honestly, you're probably going to lose too, which is too bad, but no, Uh, fuck you. Just because you have a shitty restaurant and the uh, the newspaper likes to talk to you because you want to blame everything on like a, a crime wave that doesn't exist. Uh, no, it doesn't give you the right to like waltz in here with a dunce cap on and sit on the Se- Seattle City Council. Yeah. 
So, well, uh, if you, if if the thought you had was the Bernie Bros are gatekeeping me, go fuck yourself. Yeah, and the thing is, is that the reason why you don't need to run is the Seattle City Council already represents all of your interests, right? Yes. Just more competently and all that. So, like, you are so yeah, much better off with Andrew Lewis in there than you for your yeah. business and for you are the crime wave for whatever. <laughs> yeah, unlike the vast majority of people who live in this city, you are very much represented in city government and state government. Yeah, I mean, it's very funny. All small business owners remind me of like if you get into those nitty gritty uh, blogs about the like politics of feudalism, right? You know, like or yeah. uh, uh, Game of Thrones politics discussion where they're like, oh, this little house, you know, is holding out and fucking up the whole operation for some, you know, big uh, political push from a larger house. And mm-hmm. you're just like, why can't they just get on board? And it's like, this is small business mindset, yep. right? Yep. <laughs> they, that little house's entire existence depends on the larger structure of feudalism around it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, because all they know is the two hills that they grew up around, they're like, nah, fuck that. <laughs> like, I, I, where's where's my bet? It's like, your bet isn't you, supporting. Yeah. <laughs> if this falls apart, you are going to be fucked first. Right. But nobody, yeah. they can't see it. I mean, there's this amazing quote here where uh, Hannah asked her about taxes. Yep. And she's yep. like, oh, I'm still shocked at the amount of taxes. She said that Proshki Proshki paid more than one and a half billion dollars in sales and uh, business and occupation B&O taxes over the last five years. And that price tag upsets her because she does not know where the money goes. And it's like it goes a to all the things you're complaining about, like the cops and stuff that you're desperately wanting to come to your business. Right. That's mainly where it goes. But it's like also that sales tax. That's so that you don't have to pay an income tax. Like they put a regressive. Right, she's, she's like, I'm paying tax the sales tax on all of us so that you don't your have to pay taxes. You idiot. Yes, yeah. That affects the price. That affects the price of your <laughs> yeah. thing. But like along with every other business. Yeah, it's that's. So, yes, your tax burden is lower because of that. Mm. But also, my God, if you paid that much in taxes. Right. There's no income tax. Right. It's incredible. Yeah. She's complaining about taxes and there's no income tax. And it's like, also, that's a fucking lot of sales, man. Like, yeah, that is. So you're a you're a baron. You are a local baron. Okay, (laughs) you are one of the most important, powerful people in the city. And it already revolves around you. Um, You know, we'll get into what she has to say about the cops. Um, Let me just a few more quotes here from the stranger. When it comes to bolstering the stock of affordable housing in Seattle, Sagan says she wants to build more of it. But she also said developers cannot build quickly enough to outpace the current crisis. So she wants to look at what the city can do right now to make existing housing more affordable. To help achieve that goal, she turns to a familiar policy, a vacancy tax on residential buildings. Okay, so interesting. I mean, again, this is where the wild card really comes in. Like we've talked about like her whole like background of like just complaining about and blaming her her business troubles on crime in the city but like you know she's you know again like has this kind of uh you know she's open to the fact that you can't just like uh let the market like build uh her way out of this wants to do a you know fairly modest proposal that a lot of other countries too which is like tax uh, vacancies to to keep that from happening. Okay. All right. So all over the place. Uh, next, she felt very strongly about renters' rights in general. She called the council's $10 late fee cap on rents dumb because landlords such as herself 
got a landlord here, should not be able to impose a late fee whatsoever. Uh, oh, I mean, damn. I mean, damn. on the one hand, she's a landlord. Nice. So what do you do? <laughs> what do you do with this wild card of like, oh, wow, they shouldn't mm-hmm. be able to impose a late fee whatsoever. Um, well, one of those classic things, uh, again, of like, uh, yeah, we'll see how these opinions we'll see, change. Uh, she gets exa- office, right? Exactly. Exactly. Well, I, I do think it does show for somebody who like, is not plugged in and following politics right i think the one Mm -hmm. thing it does show is how unpopular the sort of yimby the sort of popular yimby position of trickle down housing right like just fully deregulate the housing market and uh, housing will somehow trickle down to the poor i think it does show that like normal people don't buy that (laughs) because they live in the world like i live in the world i know that's not gonna happen that's never worked like you know like you have to force housing providers to provide housing for people like they literally will not do it on their own and i i think it does show the extent to which uh people just don't buy that yimby argument just on a broad base or like well, no that's, seen not, their, that's stupid we've seen fucking prices going up you know yes, like, like i said because they live in the world like i've lived through 40 my entire life is deregulation and it's created the crisis it's not solved it <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, okay, as for policing, Sagan doesn't think we necessarily need more cops. Sure. Cops say the response times are shit, but she argues the city could reduce response times by giving cops fewer responsibilities. Besides, she says social workers or street outreach are better suited to respond to mental health crisis or situations when people dial 911 just because, quote, a homeless person looked at them funny, unquote. Okay, like this is a very sympathetic. Um, <laughs> yeah, it uh, seems in juxtaposition to what she told the Seattle Times, you know, months earlier. But you know, well, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I think what she's saying here is like she identified a problem. Now, incorrectly blaming the problem of crime and, by extension, in the Seattle Times is framing homelessness uh, as the reason for her uh, business failing, which is stupid. Um, but like. I think what we're seeing is you're saying is she has a kind of normal human who has lived in the world view of a lot of these issues because she is politically a disconnected, uninformed neophyte. Right. Mm -hmm. And so right now this exists as a wild card, her, her policy positions. Right. And it's like some of the, you know, she doesn't sound particularly informed. Right. And we know on some things she's clear. She's clearly like completely uninformed. So I think you interpret this correctly, Brian, as like some of these positions are like just what a normal human being out in the world who isn't inundated in uh, the very like media uh, narratives and political like posturing and narratives on issues like this because she just doesn't care is just out of this. Like just kind of normally thinks. And I think, again, yeah, you come to exactly the right questions. Like when the wild card is played, when she is in council, you know, we can say mm-hmm. like, oh, well, you could incorrectly read some of this and go like, wow, she doesn't seem that bad. She seems like um, she has like a sensible like view of some of these things and thus maybe could be convinced to not be a total shithead. And that's wrong because we understand the power of her class position. Yeah. As a small business tyrant and a landlord who just has these normal ideas about these questions she's being asked as if for the first time ever by this good reporter <laughs> and coming up with just like kind of normal gut reactions to things that she 
has never cared about <laughs> evidently doesn't <laughs> doesn't know what the the jumpstart tax is in Seattle. Just not not following like policy debates in Seattle at all. When you put that person with that class position with that those complaints she's had in the past with what brought her to this process into the city council into a context where she is going to be inundated with uh the political narratives around these issues of the campaigning the 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 ch- when she is going to be invited to the fucking the chamber to become mm-hmm. their creature right like i think you know where she's going to end up coming out because all of these things from the chamber pitched to a small business tyrant and a landlord are going to sound very reasonable like the sensible thing to do when it comes time to vote on these things on whatever yeah you know, shitty policies they come to, you know, and yeah, she does when, not have the background and the, the, conviction. uh, the conviction, <laughs> the yeah. knowledge, the education, let's say, I don't mean that in a credential way, but just like even a self-education, yeah. even just a curiosity. Right, to you have, say she doesn't have the immortal science of Marxism, Leninism. Well, to back she up certainly her. doesn't have that. My God, <laughs> which, which see, that's the thing. That's the standard really. Right. Because she doesn't even have the conviction of, a public policy nerd like an Andrew Lewis, who you know went to college for fucking uh, you know probably uh, poli sci and law, right? And she doesn't even have that, right? But that's nothing. That's worthless, right? What you need is Shama Sawant, who has the immortal science plus uh, everything that she knew, everything else she knew she needed from having the immortal science on her side, which was a, a mass base of support and, uh, an institution, you know, uh, that was larger than her to, uh, to operate a political project like that. And yeah, I think it's just very easy to predict her falling in line with the, the other like uh, shitty, similar shitty small business tyrant, uh, uh, like Sarah Nelson, you know? Yeah. Yeah, after she gets visited by the good DSA, the Downtown Seattle Association, then we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So now we might as well uh, just, you know, having learned all this, let's just see how the Seattle Times spins it. Uh, Perosky Perosky campaign. Perosky Perosky owner Olga Sagan launches campaign for city council by Vanai Fair. Owner of Seattle's popular Poroshki Poroshki Bakery is running for city council. Hang on. Uh, citing your article from a year and a half ago, um, <laughs> you had to close her Third Avenue store uh, because of how unpopular it is. And I think we've discussed yeah. um, the reasons for the popularity of the, uh, uh, the market location. Olga Sagan announced her campaign for District 7, which includes downtown Seattle, Belltown, Queen Anne, Lake Union, Magnolia, Inner Bay, Uptown, and the Waterfront on Tuesday. She seeks to replace Councilmember Andrew Lewis, who has occupied the council seat since 2019. Uh, they've got a tweet from her. She, <laughs> with a picture of her at a, a kind of ludicrously at a podium, like a giant podium. Someone <laughs> had to like wheel out on a hand truck to the sidewalk in front of Poroshki Poroshki, where she's... Um, surrounded flanked by at least seven uh supporters <laughs> holding signs slash employees uh, yeah how many of them actually work there they all look pretty young um 
Why? Uh, by the way, why is every campaign now staffed exclusively by 14 year olds? Is this part of the child labor like deregulation? <laughs> you know, like insanely, can, it's like a desirable like uh, vocation, right? It's like, oh, I'm getting into politics. It's something like young people do because they still believe they're going to have a future. You know, God, teenagers are so different now. Anyways, yeah. I can't wait for the world uh, to crush them. Well, you have to, Brian, you have to. Look, teenagers now are looking ahead at a future when when our generation looked ahead and was hearing everything in society vocally say, look, you can be whatever you want to be. Life's going to be easy. You just go to college, you get some good job. We had this sense that something felt off about that. But that's not kids today. Kids today are like, no one's everyone's telling us we're fucked that we have to strive. <laughs> we have to claw ourselves to the top of the pile of corpses you know like yeah we have, just to survive you've got a you've got a hustle um uh flanked by more supporters is this is her tweet flanked by more supporters i i assume she means more <laughs> than are visible in her yeah, just out of frame yeah. All, all, yeah, all uh, Nathan Fielder, like, flanked by more supporters than you're seeing in this picture. I'm honored to officially launch my campaign for city council seat in front of my bakery uh, for, for real solutions, for leadership who listens, for a change. Okay. <laughs> Small business, public safety, and revitalizing downtown Seattle are the core of Sagan's campaign for change. You would hope that that would disqualify her. <laughs> like from public office, public office. Like imagine, the, like well, I mean, it, okay, pu public safety is a thing you can, like I guess, you can pitch to like a broad swath of society. I guess, like mm -hmm. it, it's obviously a dog whistle. Like her ideas about it are stupid. She blames it for her failing small business, but like it is, small it, business and revitalizing downtown Seattle. Like I guess in a town like this, can that actually be a campaign like that's how you pitch yourself to the chamber and to the seattle times but like i, I mean know. is it that our current mayor's basic uh whole shtick yeah. is that he's gonna revitalize uh downtown seattle he's gonna do a space needle shot or whatever the fuck he calls it yeah uh it is very funny though that all across america it's just considered accepted or just mainstream wisdom that small business owners who make up what two percent of the population <laughs> should be the majority representation on any like local government board. <laughs> like for some reason, like they should call every shot, like small business, you know, small business has to be the primary, you know, uh, concern of any local government body. And it's like, but why? Why, like, why should any of us care about this, right? Like, this is a very small percentage of the population who, A, treat their workers like shit, don't pay anything, and are... A, generally a tax burden on the city so like why why should we care i mean if you got if you're someone who like gets like wistfully romantic about magna carta you know <laughs> like uh which our, our society does our country does right like you know uh, before mm -hmm. the constitution you know that great document there was magna carta which which uh conferred rights on a small on a on a larger class of nobles vis-a-vis the monarch you know it's like I, you know like okay I mean, <laughs> the original well, small business owners yeah no it's here yes yes you know like no. um she wants a i mean that's what she's running for parliament of small business right she's 
that's mm-hmm. what they want. That's what they think a city council or a state legislature should be is like a par- parliament of small business owners. Yeah. Uh, who, who just need uh, power representing themselves uh, to the state, the only entity of power in the libertarian conception, right? Uh, yeah. Okay, Sagan wants to work with community partners to address homelessness, support small business, lower the cost of doing business in Seattle, and ensure that people are able to enjoy the city's parks, sidewalks, and public spaces. So everything in that was just let's get rid of the homeless. Like she can say yeah. all she wants that like, oh, oh, I don't I don't call the cops like when someone uh when a homeless person looks at me funny, but like she wants to address homelessness, support small businesses. Well, we know that she believes the the troubles in her small business are related to uh, our crime and homelessness problem. Uh, yeah, well, it's basically like, doing, yeah. Yeah. The and, whole and that, platform here is sweeps yeah. plus deregulation and tax breaks for business. And it's like that. Yeah. That's just city. Pol- you just described city politics. Like yeah. that, that is general city politics in America. Go to any city in America right now. That is the base platform of their city council. Is yeah. Well, homeless well, sweeps, Brian. homeless eradication plus uh, tax breaks for business. Like, well, Brian, Brian, you know, at least right now, she's actually for the jumpstart tax. Mind you, right now, she doesn't know what it is. <laughs> what it is. <laughs> but, you know, who's to say what she will think when she when the Chamber of Commerce tells her what it is? You know, <laughs> who's to say, say what she'll think about expanding it? H- how can we know? Uh, a string of crimes outside of Sagan's downtown bakery at Third Avenue and Pike Street led to a temporary closure in February 2022 propelling her into community leadership <laughs> just yeah well that and it's like i like the idea that this like propelled her into community leadership as opposed to the seattle times desperate to find somebody that would just parrot their beliefs back to them found this woman her, and gassed her up yeah gassed her up and uh wouldn't you know it now she thinks that she's in charge of shit it's like yeah yeah good job seattle times <laughs> at the time of the closure Sagan emphasized that criminal activity in the area drove her decision to close. Uh, Well, you've already in the previous paragraph as the Seattle Times endorsed that as a fact. So (laughs) what's weird, because there's uh, another sentence coming up here in a second that would seem to uh, run up against that first sentence. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) Seattle's at the downtown Poroshki Poroshki were down about 85 percent compared to the restaurant's Park Pike Place Market site. Wait a minute. In that previous article we read, that previous quote, that was a little uh, ambiguous because it said um, sales at the Third Avenue store were down about 85 percent, period. Okay, Mm -hmm. this is referring to the same time, which would lead you to believe down 85 percent from the Third Avenue store's receipts pre-pandemic because it had just said previously the Pike Place market, which remains open, had rebounded to pre-pandemic levels, she said. Third place sales at Third Avenue store were down 85%. I knew that just hmm, there was something <laughs> about that. And here we find out the sales at her Third Avenue store were down 85% compared to the Pike Place market site, making you wonder if her Third Avenue store had ever done any business Mm -hmm. anywhere near that of the pike place market site so well that it's like you know uh when you say oh this 
person has two businesses. They shut one of them down. The one they shut down, its sales lagged the other business by 85 percent. Uh, why they shut down crime? It's like that is <laughs> there is a dissonance there. Like well, you told crime, me why they shut it down. Crime caused the 85 oh, sure, percent. Sure, sure, sure. Totally. Uh, ratio there. <laughs> I don't know why you didn't get that, Brian. For sure, for sure. I mean, it. you know, it, this is just the Walgreens San Francisco thing all over again of like, uh, oh, you know, our sales of these stores are down uh, because of crime. And then you go listen to their investor call and they're like, oh, shit, we overbuilt in San Francisco, which has caused the stores to essentially cannibalize each other and sales. Are down. It's like, well, well, it's like no, it's one, exactly one story that. for investors, one story for the press, you know, but it's exactly that it's expansion like this calls into question, like how much business the Third Avenue store ever had. Yeah, of course. Right? Because so basically she's, you know, a a kitchen nightmare style restaurateur who opened who had this good thing going again for all the reasons that we've surmised at the you know the the exoticism of shitty food and the market experience and decides like oh i can do this anywhere including the downtown core and opened up a business uh that sucked uh no one wanted to go to probably ever um maybe had a an initial bump because it was new downtown for the lunch crowd got bailed out by COVID for which she certainly, I'm sure got PPP loans for that business. Right. Like, mm -hmm. and, and like, et cetera, et cetera. And, and then goes like, Oh, my, the problem, the reason I wasn't able, I am entitled to open another restaurant and have it do the same gangbuster business yeah. every time <laughs> I should just, I'm entitled. There are no other factors. It can't, it's not, it's not that my food sucks. It's not that the location I chose like, doesn't work and can't of the support. Food traffic. <laughs> can't support. Right. That, even if, even pre-COVID, you were never going to do as well at uh, the Third, yeah, Avenue, Third location. Avenue That's why the only shit down there are these corporate restaurants that are explicitly designed to service like shitty downtown like lunch crowds for cheap, like Jimmy John's and fucking, you know, uh, the, the other fucking sandwich places, uh, pot yeah. or whatever. They, that is a whole like corporate model with like a national supply chain that is made cheap as hell, like just to be able to survive and, and make some money out of these places. It's not one of the premier fucking restaurant locations in the entire country which is the Pike Place Market, where you can sell your shitty Pronto Pups and actually become a millionaire. And it's like, she's she thinks she thought she was entitled for that to just, well, if I open a store, people love this shit, it's going to be great. And it never was. And she, you know, and so in her mind, it's like, well, it's got to be the crime then. <laughs> Fuck. It can't be when I go outside that there's nobody out here and no reason for anybody to be out here. Well, again, I mean, too, I, I even don't... pre pandemic, I mean, post pandemic, yeah. my God, there's no, no one works down there. Mm -hmm. Certainly in, in February, 2021, 2022, or, you know, the whole end of February, or the whole end of 2021 when she opened. Yeah. And I mean, she doesn't even have to read Marx. She could have been reading the stranger and Charles Modetti's discussions of gentrification to understand. It's like those very things that are making you rich as a landlord are creating these empty downtown areas. Right? Mm -hmm. like, so again, the very thing you're benefiting from is the thing you're complaining about. Yeah. Sagan said she'd been trying to reach out to city government since the pandemic started and no one was quote, no one responded when I needed them. 
no one reached out when I needed them. <laughs> uh, I, so you were, you were, I mean, first of all, like, what does that even mean? Reached out? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, like, what's well, like did, you got in the paper, like the, the only newspaper the city has basically wrote an entire article about you. I'm sure people in the city council reached out to you and probably the mayor and stuff like that too. I what sent, she means to say is yeah. they didn't do exactly what I wanted right when I wanted them to do it. Uh, probably because what I asked them to do was stupid and not possible. <laughs> yeah. Just, <laughs> just incredible <laughs> entitlement uh, yeah. from this one. I believe that government, quote, I believe that government should be accountable to the people who got them elected. And that means listening to and responding to the people in the districts that we serve. Well, there's, like you said, like a million people in this city. Uh, yeah. You, you, you got in the newspaper. And I'm, I'm, get, I'm betting if someone looks into it, I'm betting there are some returned emails from people in the city as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I want to help make that a reality for people like myself who feel like they have been ignored. But Sweet. But just by being a better person. Like, yeah. are you going to talk to everybody? Like, what does this mean? It's just, just absolute, like, d- dumb guy shit. Yeah. Yeah. The downtown site of Proshki Proshki opened in December, 10 months later, reopened in December, 10 months later. Uh, so it's December 2022. Uh, Lewis, the incumbent council member, is campaigning with a focus on investing in housing with supportive services for additional for addiction and behavioral health conditions, implementing a new public safety strategy that diversifies first responders and uh, advancing sustainable climate change policies. Uh, sounds like a lot of fluff and bullshit. Uh, yep. Boring. We've talked about before. Uh, quote, we've been getting a lot of, oh, this is from Lewis. We've been getting a lot of work done with downtown stakeholders like Olga to really advance downtown recovery and shared public safety priorities that myself and the coalition I'm leading want to see complete completed Lewis said Wednesday. So, you know, he's on board with the mayor's plan to, uh, fill, you know, uh, downtown with like literal window dressing of galleries and shit and, and Mm -hmm. continue sweeps and shit. Um, Lewis cited that his partnership with the Downtown Seattle Association, DSI. which led, that's the that's the coalition he's talking about, which led <laughs> to the clearing of homeless encampments in downtown Seattle, uh, quote, that were dramatically increasing in the amount, increasing the amount of crime in the city core, he said. So, uh, very <laughs> just, predictably. Just, yeah, just saying what we always say crime means in the Seattle Times. Like, I like that Andrew's just be very blunt about this. Well, he's like, had to. He has to run poverty. to the right. Yeah, visible property is what I mean. (laughs) He can't walk his, you know, uh, precious little line of whatever it is. Like, so because now Olga Sagan, the spokesperson for downtown, like crime is ruining my small business, is running. So now he's like, okay, I have to get much more direct on uh, my record on downtown crime, (laughs) which is, yeah, I'm, I've been. I work with the Seattle, the downtown Seattle Association and the mayor to sweep the homeless out, which like he's he's going like, no, I'll just say it. I'll make the connection. Lewis also highlighted the start of Third Avenue Project, which is a combination effort of the downtown Seattle Association, Seattle Police Department and nonprofit. We deliver care. Wow. You put that inception sound right there. Yes, <laughs> that, is, that is ominous. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Third Avenue Project places a stronger emphasis on public safety to address the drug use, sale of stolen goods, sale of stolen goods, 
Severe mental ill sale of stolen goods. Uh, Shut incredible. the fuck up. So, wh- yeah, yeah, the, the swap meet in watches yeah. down on 3rd Avenue. Fuck I off. Mean, honestly, if we did have open air markets of like be, stuff that felt that, fucking that, sick. That would be what we call downtown vibrancy. Like I would be pulling be downtown, people downtown. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be <laughs> like cramming a fucking disgusting uh, pronto pup down my gullet just so I could like buy buy hot watches from guys out of their uh, trench coats. You know, hell yeah. Um, that work is go- is ongoing, really, really critical and important, uh, and will make a significant difference. Unquote. Lewis said. In Sagan's email announcement of her campaign for city council, she asserts that Lewis has out-of-touch policies and ineffectiveness. (laughs) They really don't like her. (laughs) I think they're deciding that they she's useful as, um, you know, as a quote machine, as a a laundry to process like the narratives. But they're like, no, 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 no. In fact, useful also for getting Andrew Lewis to move to the right rhetorically and just come out and say like, yeah, you know, all that homelessness downtown that we swept out uh, with the help of the downtown Seattle association and the cops, my friends, that was really causing a lot of crime. So they've gotten exactly what they want out of Mm -hmm. Olga Sagan. Sorry, Sorry, honey. They're not going to back you. Yeah. The times I think also has like a very comfortable relationship with Andrew. Right. Oh yeah. I think their opinion is why rock the boat on this. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) You know, yeah. He's been very steady. Uh, he talks to him all the time, you know, he'll, he'll, you know, I'm sure he's given them little inside scoops, you know, and who's using the copy machine at city hall. So. Yeah. In response, Lewis said Wednesday that he's proud of the work he sponsored during the pandemic, which quote made sure small businesses could stay in place and not be in a position to have their life savings or their houses taken away. Well, I'm glad that at least the small business owners had somebody watching out for that. No, nobody it's else. Like, <laughs> he's finally reaching out to, to Olga city, Sagan. But... It's what she's wanted all this time. A direct, <laughs> uh, a direct line to Andrew Lewis, uh, as well, quote, as well as proud quote, to have worked on initiatives to get encampments off the street downtown. And it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck he's, I mean, I guess there were some city programs uh, during the pandemic, but most of that, Assistance was federal, um, but whatever. Um, Who cares? Quote, my opponent is not just based, is just not based in the reality of the coalition and leadership we've been building. And I mean, you got to hand it to him there. He is correct. She is off her nut. Like he's basically saying what you said at the start of this, which is, honey, the whole city government works to serve you. I am here to serve you and your interests. Me, Andrew Lewis, I am here to make sure your shitty business succeeds and you continue to make millions mm-hmm. of dollars in sales well, it, every year. It, it's not a lot like a parent's relationship to a child. Yeah. You know, your child whines and complains to you. And all you can think in the back of your head is like, my entire thing is making sure that you stay alive and are okay. Like my entire life is built around essentially servicing you, you dumb baby. You just don't understand. Like you don't understand how good you got it. Wait till you get out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Well, she's never going to find out. Um, Yeah. She will be costed Uh, until the day she dies. Yes. Yeah, there's no, there's no, like, she doesn't have to go off and find her own way. The, the state will be there to help her out. In response, Sagan said Thursday that the Columbia Tower location of Proshki Proshki has not been able to reopen. 
in addition to many of the food court businesses in the building that have closed permanently. Right. Inside the food court at Columbia Tower, the problem is is the crime, right? Yeah. The, yeah. the hermetically sealed thing <laughs> where people aren't coming to work anymore. Yeah. Uh, is the is, fact that anybody works but, in no, Columbia Tower has nothing to do with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that oh and like uh, the, the image of the Columbia Tower is being like that building in the raid, right? <laughs> it's like, get the fuck yeah. out of here. Like, you know, there's security there. There's all the stupid bullshit. Well, she there's, thinks like, a shitty she mall thinks... inside it. It's fine. There's just nobody there. Nobody's downtown. Like, nobody's she, working it's downtown. It's not a tourist anymore. destination. I mean, it, yeah. it is a minor, yeah. you know, five people a no. day come there to like go to the yeah, observation like, deck. But Nobody like, coming to Seattle the goes to the Columbia Tower. The only reason those <laughs> shops are there are to serve the pe- people on their lunch hour who work there and in the maybe the buildings immediately across the street. Yeah. Okay, if they need a change. Okay, that's the only reason that food court exists. And like, if people aren't coming to work, you're not going to sell them lunch. Are, yeah. you're, you, are you fucking stupid? Yeah, my nearly 20 years of living in Seattle... Uh, I've escorted many out-of-towners on tourist jaunts through the city. I have, A, never taken anybody to the Columbia Tower and never had a single person from here ask, or not from here, ask me to take them to the Columbia Tower. (laughs) It's like, that is not the recipe for success that you have at Pike's Place Market, where I do have people demand to go there every time, and I do have to tell them, no, don't go to Proshki Proshki, the line's too long, it's not worth it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You're doing God's work, but, you know. Uh, it's like she still she still has a business unfortunately yeah yeah she's just entitled she thought she made so much money and that she didn't know what to do with that she's like wow i can keep buying rental properties and be a landlord or gosh you know what i'm a genius uh, restaurateur this is this money like this shit makes money hand over fist with this shitty food i can do this anywhere i can just open up this shit anywhere in the city and it'll work and it's like sorry that was wrong you're stupid yeah Quote, look around, see how many businesses have closed their doors and never reopened. Look at how many vacant buildings there are downtown. I mean, what do you say to this idiot? Like, look, hello, like the rent (laughs) is insane and there aren't people working there. We had a pandemic that literally changed how people, how white collar work is done in America and certainly yeah. in these downtown well, towers, in addition the, to every other fucking problem. It's the white collar, like supplementary work to finance capital, like the law firms, the PR firms, right? All that kind of stuff, right? It's like all that stuff can be done from home and is increasingly done from home. And it's just like, yeah, that that has vacated these downtown areas, right? Also, the way that, you know, the commercial real estate market has changed and led to squatting, you know, on real estate and all this kind of stuff, right? It's also affect all that. It's like, Again, the very things that she's benefiting from as a property owner are what are creating this situation that she's complaining about. And it's like, yeah, for all of capitalism's history, it is true. Business owners, small and otherwise, have made very stupid decisions about where to put things and what to make and then have had to go out of business or close. Right. It's like. That didn't just start happening, right? You put in your business in an idiot location that has no foot traffic and nobody goes to, and then be like, well, but why? It's like, yeah, no shit. Like, you made a stupid choice, and now you're, like, eating it. That's that's that, that's business, baby. That's, that, that's the free market you guys love. What the fuck are you complaining about? <laughs> The free Seriously. market means you can also make stupid decisions, too, right? But again, you're right. She wants to be guaranteed. She's like, I, I'm yeah. owed this. I'm this owed profits in this, you know, at this location. But nobody's in. 
Lewis also said that Sagan has not voted in a city election since 2013, to which Sagan responded, I've not been a good voter historically, especially in local elections. I'm very honest about that. I, you have no choice. Yeah. It's a public record. I don't like but pointing also, fingers like, when I'm part I, of the problem. She's already lost. What she should have said is shut up, nerd. Yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> so nerd. she doesn't have it. She hasn't got the juice. She's just like, shut she up. She should nerd. have the dignity to let Seattle Times like <laughs> say that on their own and not bring it up because it, it is just nerd, nerd yeah. shit. Um, I don't like pointing fingers when I'm part of the problem. Uh, then shut the fuck up. When I realized <laughs> that I was unhappy with the results I have seen, I knew that it was up to me to be part of making that change happen. I want other people like myself who have not been civically engaged to be able to see that it's never too late to jump in and learn, to jump in and vote, to jump in and take action or, you know, run for city governance. You know, it takes yeah. all of us. You could just start voting, you wretched, wretched <laughs> woman. Uh, Orrin Evans, a strategist for the Sagan campaign, said Sagan and her real world business experience will, quote, bring back the charm and comfort of District 7's neighborhoods. Sure. Sagan. Uh, when have the people of Magnolia ever been uncomfortable? I mean, seriously. Yeah. Like. Sagan immigrated to America from Russia in 1999 and later became a manager at Proshki Proshki, eventually becoming its owner. She didn't even create this business. She she just she took over a successful business at a market location. One of the fucking like something impossible to get a hold of and then build mm -hmm. up. And then she thinks, oh, I can just turn this into any any number of restaurants in the city, the country, the world. You know, soon well, she's trying soon, to be Ray Kroc, have, but doesn't have the psycho drive that Ray. Yeah, Kroc she's had. trying to put like, a Poroshki yeah. Poroshki franchise in Moscow. Well, uh, I need to tell her it's like Ray Kroc was he was built by America, right? Like yeah, yeah. it takes a special American drive to create a fucking psychopath like that, and uh, you just don't got yeah. it. Sorry, blame the Russians. Blame uh, Soviet communism. <laughs> <laughs> they they didn't put it in you, man. Like clearly. <laughs> Sagan employs more than 70 people across four Seattle sites of the bakery, uh, only one of which is successful, uh, I will add. Uh, in 2020, Sagan, the one she didn't start, um, in 2020, Sagan was named Washington's Business Owner of the Year by the Small Business Administration. Wow. Literally, because we've just learned that, like, these businesses are not doing well. So I like that's just for complaining. It's basically like the, yeah. you're the complainer of the year. You got on the Seattle what Times. Your function the in society is. It's not yeah. creating the jobs. It's it's setting the fucking debate, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. What an Incredible. exciting election in D7. I am very excited for this. Uh you, as you know, Greg, I actually vote in every district uh council election. So I gotta I gotta go through each one of these, figure out who I'm gonna vote for, and Olga has my vote right now. No, no. I, listen, I, I would never do that. I reserve all 10 of my votes for District 7. <laughs> well, normally what I do when I vote is I just take the pictures of the candidates and I put them next to each other and I vote that way. And I got to say, when I'm looking at Olga's picture here and then I'm looking at the just uh, shadow outline that is Andrew Lewis, uh, mm -hmm. my vote is pointing towards Olga right now. So, she, you know, I... I I look forward to her campaign and uh, <laughs> let's, let's do it real quick. Do we know how many candidates are, are announced for District 7 yet? Do we oh, have a, I don't a know. number? Probably this, like eight or nine or something. This, like, this seems to be number. like 10 in every district. right? <laughs> what? Okay. Do we think that Olga ends up in the runoff with Andrew? 
Oh God. I, I, I don't know. I haven't done the deep dive. I haven't done the research and I'm not going to do it now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll leave it hanging there and Greg will have his predictions coming soon. All right. Uh, you know what? We'll see everybody next week. Real quick, though, before we go, uh, big shout out to Ahmad Adams, who's a new patron. Go ahead, join that Discord. Hey, thanks, Make some Ahmad. friends. And, uh, you know, we'll see you on the Patreon. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.